0: Bonjour, all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco on March 9th. And uh, I want to thank Marty Winget for hosting my show last week. Uh, She does a great job, and I really appreciate it because I was off in France. And uh, uh, for 11 days, I was down in southern France. And I'll tell you, we lucked out because everyone there told us the weather was very unusual. So we uh, we landed in uh, Frankfurt. We had an eight-hour uh, overlay there at the Frankfurt Airport. Took the train to Frankfurt. It was like sixty-two degrees or something like that. We and Frankfurt's a town you could see the whole thing pretty quick. So we had a great time walking around the old town and seeing all the sights. Went to the famous Palm Garden there. That was really fun. Made it back to hop on our plane, Denise, and uh, spent some really fun time down there. Went to the Lemon Festival, which is beyond cool. I'll tell you what, it was so fun. And uh, the parade was to die for. And <coughs> I came back with a little cold, but other than that, I did really well. And uh, we just had a great trip, so wonderful time. All right, hey, I want to let you know a couple of things Um Oh, hey, I do have to tell you one thing, too. So 26 years ago, Mary and I hiked the French Alps. We started at Lake Geneva, put our hands, they call it Lake Le Mans, put our hands in Lake Geneva, and we hiked 360 miles, just the two of us. We stayed in the huts up in the mountains. It's really wonderful. and uh, But at the very end, we took a side trip and... Uh, it was through the uh, Marea Valley, and they had all these rock drawings and everything from ancient times. It was so cool to see. It was unbelievable. But we got lost on our last day. This is after 29 days of hiking. So our last day, we just had to get down to Montone, uh, where, and that's where the Lemon Festival was. And then we uh, were going to take a train back to Nice where we had a hotel set up. Well, we got totally lost. We ended up stumbling around for hours trying to get to the water in Montone because we wanted to put our hands in the Mediterranean, and it's always frustrated us what we did wrong. So we hiked up the trail that we never found and figured out where we went wrong. But, oh, my God, was that a steep, tough trail. Woo! But I still wish we'd have found it because it would have saved us a lot of time. But it was so fun going back, remembering that. Okay. Hey, uh, tomorrow, March 10th, at the Airport Garden Center in Port Angeles, I will be there. And I will be there at 11 a.m. It's uh, So this is at the Airport Garden Center in Port Angeles. The address is 2200 West... Edgewood Drive. So I'm really looking forward to seeing lots of you. I'm going to give away some cool plants. I'll have a garden with T-shirt, Cisco T-shirt with me, and a book. So <coughs> it's not my new book. That won't come out until uh, next year. But uh, my, old good, my old book's good. You'll like it. Okay. So all right. And, uh, hey, I've got other talks coming up uh, Saturday. Uh, let's see, when is that? Uh three sixteen. so March 16th, Saturday, I'll be at the Peninsula Home and Garden Show. So, and I'll be there at 3 p.m., so that's on Saturday. But that's not for a while yet. Okay. Uh, now, there is like 8 million events going on that people really want me to talk about today. So, I'm going to mention a few, and uh, <coughs> I'll give the numbers here and that's one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six one triple eight nine seven three 973 Cairo so if you want to give me a call and we'll chat gardening of course uh so I, just so you know uh the NPA uh Plant Mania Spring Plant Sale is uh today and it goes from 9 to 3 at the Bellevue Botanical Garden so that's at uh 12001 Main Street in Bellevue. If you have never been there, it's really a great place. Probably looking pretty good already. Although I got to admit, I was shocked by the weather when we flew in from uh, from Nice. I I was thinking, well, spring should be here now, <laughs> and it was snowing like crazy when we landed last night. So, uh, or oh la la, you never know what you're going to get, you know. So, uh, so anyway. But it's nice out today, so a great day to go to a spring plant sale. And there is a link uh, in my events page for this. And there are some other things going on, too, that I want to let you know about. And uh, so let's get back to that. So uh, over at Heronswood right now, they're doing a Northwest Fiber Weavings and Tradition show. And uh, this will go... um, through March 31st, and it goes from 10 to 3 at Heronswood Art Gallery. And they have an exhibit featuring the weaving mastery of Melinda West and other noted fiber artists. So that could be a lot of fun. And since I'm talking about Heronswood, they had an open last weekend, but they've still got lots of hellbors for sale. So if you go there, you can uh, buy uh, hellebores today. And, uh, So, and don't forget the garden is open every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday now through October 20. Okay, you got to fork out a couple bucks to go, but like 10 bucks or something per person, but it's really great to see. And, uh, all right, let me tell you what else, and then we'll take a break pretty quick. And uh, that is that the Seattle Tree Fruit Society is having a spring propagation fair. So they're going to have talks about grafting, pollination, mushrooms, kiwi, workshops on grafting, espalier, pruning, all kinds of demonstrations and displays. And they're going to have rootstock and cyanwood available for sale to graft your own tree. And they've got over 100 varieties available of apples, pears, plums, cherries, quince. You talk about it, you'll see it, you know. So if you... If, and they also have a tool sharpener there, and they're going to sell maggot barriers and other supplies. So, sounds pretty good. Entry is totally free. It's at Magnuson Park at the Brig building. Huh, I don't know if I should walk in there. They may not let me back out. 7400 Sandpoint Way Northeast over in Magnuson. And uh, so, that's tomorrow. From 10 to 3, Big Seattle Tree Fruit Society Spring Propagation Fair. And uh, one last one I want to tell you about before I take a break. That's the Northwest Horticultural Society Lecture. And that is uh, Wednesday, March 13, at 7.15 p.m. And uh, they have a reception that starts at 6.45 um so Jesse Bloom, author and ecological landscape designer, is going to share tips on designing healing spaces and uh, medicinal and sacred plant profiles that are easy to use. Equal parts inspirational and practical. So uh, it sounds pretty good. So um, let me just see what time that is. And that, it, it as. I'm not. Oh, there it is. Okay, seven fifteen. Sorry, and that is on Wednesday, March thirteenth. And if uh, it's five bucks, if you're an NHS member, and ten bucks if you're not. It's at the Center for Urban Horticulture. Okay, that's enough of me blabbing for a minute. Take a break. I hope you'll give me a call at one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six. I do have some emails with me, of course. And uh, we'll talk right after this on 97.3 Cairo FM. Do you, do you. Oh, la la. And Steve, you're on Gardening with Cisco. How you doing this morning?
1: Hi, Cisco. Um, got a challenge here. I've got some plants in a house that may be torn down. And uh, the question, one's a Clem Hardy gardenia, two rose bushes, and two very valuable, one huge Japanese maple tree. Um, uh, when's the best time if we have to transplant those? And uh, uh, on the big Japanese maples, uh, is is there a market for those? Um I, I I guess we're. I'd love to keep them in the house, but it looks like the house may be torn
0: down. So. Okay. So uh, first of all, is there a market for those Japanese maples? There might be, and what you got to do is call the companies that specialize in big trees. So go on your uh, web and put in you know right. uh, buy buy big trees or move big trees or sell big trees in the Seattle area or whatever, the Western Washington area. And I think a lot of times uh, if they if they advertise to sell big trees, then, yeah, they want them and they might buy them from you. So that's one possibility.
1: Okay, and, all right, and we got two rose bushes and a Clem Hardy gardenia. When's the best time to move those and how would you do that?
0: It's Right now is the best time to move all this stuff. So uh, you want to do it as quick as you can because we're getting to the point where those roses are going to start to grow. And you're you're actually really lucky that we've had this horrible weather (laughs) because it's kept things dormant. And moving a rose when it's grown is possible, but it's, oh man, they sulk for so long. You can't believe it. It's absolutely horrible. So you want to get that like Eat a Brussels sprout casserole tonight because you're going to be working hard tomorrow. So go get those as (laughs) soon as you can, all right? And, and, you know, the roses are pretty easy. Just dig out a nice root uh, pack with them. Even if they bare root, they're fine. And um, any roots that get damaged, though, on any of these things, cut them back beyond where they were damaged. New roots will grow there. That's really important to do. And then you're going to have to watch the watering on anything you move if uh, Mama Nature decides we're going to be dry for a change around here. Hey, on the, uh, Let's see. So that was two roses. Uh, what was that other thing? The Hardy gardenia. Oh, yeah. That'll be easy as pie. Just dig that up, put it in a new spot, <laughs> give it full sun. Make sure you fertilize that with uh, rot- organic rhododendron food. That's what they love, oh okay, all right, and now
1: and and they take full sun
0: Oh yeah, well, you know, I think they almost do best in morning sun, but they can have sun that, till one I've or two it,
1: that, yeah, that's why I've got it now is in the morning sun, and it's it's doubled or tripled in size over oh, the last five or six years, but now there's also a long shot that the house may not be sold. <laughs> And I might get a chance to rent it, so I wouldn't want to move anything. But I won't know, and probably for another month or so. Is that going to be too late?
0: Well, it's going to be late. It's going to be a lot harder to do these jobs. I think the the, um, gardenia will be easy. The roses, you could do it. They're going to sulk like crazy, and uh, you're going to have to water them like every day till they come out of it. The Japanese maples, I have moved them in full leaf. But uh, And if they're big, you might almost want to have a machine to help you do that. They have little bobcats with, with uh, diggers on them, you know. They're like uh, little backhoes. And, um, and, again, anything you injure. And then you have to water the livid tweedle out of them until you really see them start to look better and come out of the funk they'll all go into. It's totally possible to do, but it's a lot harder a month away from now.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's it's that's why we're. I mean, I'd love to keep them in the same place they're in now, but um, they're they have a lot of sentimental value to them because the
2: uh-huh.
1: lady that used to in the house is that uh, has passed away, and and uh, I helped her with the plants and and uh-huh. uh, and so forth, and I I I just really hate to see them. I mean, there's a. There's a there's a sentimental history to all three of those plants, the two roses and the and the gardenia. Those are the ones I'm really concerned about.
0: So. Well, that's lucky. If you can leave the maples, you might be better off. If you got to wait a month to move, I think the other ones you could do it. But as I say, boy, have the faucet ready to go, <laughs> because You are definitely uh-huh. going to be watering the living tweedle out of those guys, all right? And uh, but but. They do come out of it. You, when you first move them, you're going to go, "Oh man, he is full of Tweedle," because they're going to just look like they're about to die. But it'll work. You'll you'll keep them alive, and it's worth it. And uh, All right. yeah, I pre- hey, yeah, I got it. I, I oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Hey, go I got to tell you, just appreciate it. All right, Steven. Yeah. Hey, I really appreciate no, 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 a guy no, with sentimental value. <laughs> Take care. What'd you say? I'm sorry. Oh. I do just I want to let on. you know I really appreciate a guy that loves plants as much as you do and has that sentimental value for the person that you worked with. I think it's really cool. Yeah, they
1: and it, these plants will go to people that, that knew her real well and, and have a sentimental connection to her for a long time. So um, I'm really pleased.
0: Thanks for your help. Hey, thanks. Good luck, Steve. Bye-bye. You okay. Bet. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we're almost time for a break, so I won't even start another question. But what I will do here is tell you one thing that I forgot to mention, and that's if you live in Olympia, the barn nursery in Olympia, um, tomorrow starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, they're having a whole bunch of uh, really great garden talks. And um, so one is beginner pruning, and that starts at 10. And then uh, they're going to have some on disease, some other ones. And at 1 p.m., they're going to have a really great uh, talk and demonstration on expert pruning. So uh, if you live down there in that Olympia area and you want to learn to prune, this is a great way to do it. And uh, I got to tell you one thing. You know, I used to do consulting all the time. So I'd go to, people would call me up to teach them to prune their plants. Or I'd come over to see what, you know, diagnose what was wrong with a plant. Or I'd uh, come over and help people figure out ways to make their landscape look a lot more attractive. And, uh, but sometimes I got calls from people and they went, you know, I had the mow and blow guy do the pruning on my Japanese maple. It wasn't pretty. You really want to know what you're doing when you prune something like a Japanese maple or any tree or and most any shrub, so you don't mess them up. Uh, so it's worth it to get some expert pruning whenever you can. Okay, we're going to take a break. And uh, so uh, Janet's in here. You're going to hear the news in a minute. Right back, 97.3 Cairo FM. Welcome back, and um, thanks for tuning in today. Sure appreciate it. It's uh, it's a little cold out around here is what I'm thinking after being in Nice and Cassis and uh, Monton in France. So, uh, But, hey, you get what you get. I want to remind you that my next appearance is tomorrow, and I'm really looking forward to being up at the Airport Garden Center in Port Angeles. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun i got a busy spring coming up, so there's lots of talks so keep an eye on my talks page at cisco c i s c o e dot com now uh uh i am going to give the numbers again and i'm hoping some of you will call it's one triple eight nine seven three cairo one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six but right now i have an email so i'm gonna start with that okay so uh This one came from Mary, and uh, so I'm not sure exactly what happened over there at her house, but what they did was they replaced some trees and things, and they put in a palm tree. And so they have a beautiful palm tree growing up, but I don't know if they cut down trees around the area, and the palm tree's been there exactly, but uh, now, all of a sudden, they've got all these hostas out in full sun, and they are just burning up. And they know if they don't get them out of there uh, by summer, I'll bet you they were out there all last summer. And you, if you've ever grown a hosta in full sun, it's not pretty. They burn up just about no matter what you do. I do have some in my mixed borders, but they're really shaded by plants that grow up and block uh, the sun from hitting them. So she wants to know uh, when and how can I move those? Do I have to worry about hurting the palm? <coughs> I don't know how long the palm's been in there. But either way, here's my feeling about this, is that you should be able to, uh, I would start nearest to the palm and just dig as shallow as you can to get those hostas out. What I would do, though, I would wait until they're four inches out of the ground. That's the absolute best time to move a hosta when the new growth is four inches out of the ground. It's really easy to do then, and uh, they're not deeply rooted, and you'll be able to dig underneath and pop them out. If you see roots from the palm, uh, if you injure them in any way, cut those back. Now, <coughs> if we were in Miami, I wouldn't tell you to do that, Mary, because in Miami, uh the the kind of palms they grow, you can never cut the roots or the root dies. But here, the kind of palms that we uh, are, are, uh, are windmill palms, Chinese windmill palms that we grow here, they're the only palm that I know of that you can cut the roots and they'll grow back. So you're in real luck. So if you injure any, cut just a little bit behind where you made the injury and uh, just Plant those hostas in shade or morning sun at the most and make sure they get a little water for a while. They will come back like gangbusters. They're the easiest plant to move that I've ever seen. Okay, well, looks like we got a caller there from Tacoma. Hey, Mike, what's happening, buddy? Hi, Mike. Hello. Hello. Hey, Hey, hi. Hi. How are you? Hey, Cisco. Howdy. So
2: I'm building building a trellis on uh, the side of a, uh, a shed, and I want to put in a passion flower vine. And I'm wondering how much shade would I take because this space gets
0: about half sun, half shade. Does it get morning sun or afternoon sun? Afternoon sun. Okay, I think you're all right with the passion flower. Then I I'm kind of guessing here, but. Uh, I think if you have a good afternoon of hot sun, I think your passion flower will produce quite well.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. So
2: if that if that doesn't work, can, um, is Confederate jasmine something that will grow around here? Would that be something that I could grow on a on a trellis? Because that'll take shade, I
0: believe, won't it? Uh, so uh, you call that Confederate? Is it Star Jasmine you're thinking of? Yeah, maybe that's the
2: common name. I was I always thought people called it Confederate jasmine.
0: Well I I've never heard that, but it could be. But if it's Star Jasmine with dark green leaves, uh blooms all summer long with super fragrant white flowers, uh if it's right. that if it's that one, um I think it'll perform uh pretty well in that conditions. Might not like that super hot afternoon sun, but I think I think it would do all right. So there's really only one way to know on that plant, and that would be to try it and see how it does. Okay. Yeah.
2: All right. I'll give I'll give it a shot, and I'll let you know how it turns out.
0: All right. Great. Let me know for sure. Okay.
2: All right. Thank you.
0: Cisco. All Take right. Care. Hey. Thanks for the call, Mike. Bye bye. All right, so hey, I got another email I could do here because, uh, or actually, how? What do you think if we take a break now? Maybe we'll get a call. No, all right, okay, <laughs> all right, okay. I luckily Brian's here to keep me going the right direction here. All right, I'm going to do another email here, and uh, that this one is um, from Dustin, and he uh, last year. He renovated his lawn in late May, and it didn't work well. He uh, aerated, he uh, thatched it, and it the seeds didn't come up that well. Nothing really worked right. He's going, how early can I do this uh, lawn work? Now, almost every year I tell people by March 15th you could start doing it. I'm not saying that this year. I don't know what the weather's going to do, and if it suddenly turns nice and we get spring like normal, yes. But you want the weather to be in the fifties. You don't because the seed might get killed when you plant it. All right. So the key thing I would do is uh, I'd keep an eye on the weather. You want the ground to be about the moisture of a squeeze sponge. So you don't want a deadly dry but you don't want it sopping wet so if we're having a big rainy period you just can't do this work and i you shouldn't have to thatch the lawn this year i don't think so all you really probably have to do this year is to uh go ahead and um and just uh, aerate it and then of course you're going to want to uh, overseed so uh now there's one thing i don't know and that's how tall you're growing your grass so if you're growing a, a lawn like my lawn, which is the lowest maintenance, easiest to take care of, I use a mix of 50-50 perennial rye fine fescue grass seed. And if you do that, you could put it down, oh, I'd probably put it down about two pounds per thousand square feet, and that's by weight. And you want that 50-50 mix as close as you can get to it. So you aerate the living tweedle out of the lawn. I mean- punch a million holes in it or hire someone to do it and tell them, hey, I'll, I'll pay you a little extra, do it a couple extra times, will you? Then uh, you don't have to rake up those old uh, plugs. They're just going to fade away and go away. But what you do have to do is you you overseed with your broadcast uh, cedar, or you can use one of those ones that is a drop drop cedar, and then – You have to rake that seed into the holes because if you have almost any thatch at all on the soil surface, none of that stuff is going to come up for you. It's just going to, it'll germinate and it dies because you can't get through the thatch. So rake it into the holes, then fertilize with a good organic lawn food. Hey, you're going to, and then keep it well watered. You have got a great lawn for the rest of this year. And I I recommend doing this every year. If you did it fall and spring, you'd have the best ever. All right, we're taking a break. 97.3 Cairo FM. All right, we're in the last section of the show. Let's go to Fort Orchard. Tim, how you doing? Hi, Tim. Hello, Cisco. Hello, Tim. Hi. Hi. What you got going on? Greetings. Greetings! Well, I've got a Daphne that I'm hoping to propagate, and I was hoping you could suggest a couple of techniques. Well, uh, you know, from uh, being the director for grounds care at Seattle U for 24 years, we propagated a lot of plants. We didn't have very good um, luck with Daphne when I did it. With I, We had special propagation chambers, you know, and even misted itself. And uh, so what I recommend is the easy way, but it takes longer. So what you got to do, this is called layering, you may have heard of it. And what you do is you take a branch down near the ground. So you try and find one that's kind of flexible, and uh, you, you, uh, you're you going to bury the middle of the branch under the ground. Okay, so you don't disconnect it from the mama plant. You, you go about halfway along the branch, and you pull all the leaves that are going to be underground off, and you cut in with a knife very carefully about a quarter of the way in right at a bud where the leaves were, right at one of those nodes. And then you bury the plant so that it's still connected to the mama, the middle's underground, and the top, the end of the branch is sticking out of the ground, like four inches, something like that, maybe a little more, and put a rock on top above where it's buried under the ground so the wind doesn't pull it out or anything, a year later, almost always, when you tug on that plant, you'll you'll feel resistance. That means you've got roots down there. And uh, so, you know, sometimes we'd leave one for a year and a half, and then we'd just go, okay, it's time. Wow. Cut it off the mama plant, dig it out, you got yourself a brand new Daphne. Worked every time we tried it. So, okay. Yeah. So it works good. Now, is there, are there any
2: any quicker techniques that they're at all successful, or is that well, I don't know? Much you could way to go.
0: Well, you can try it if you want, and uh, it depends how much do you have a greenhouse or anything like that. I I do. Okay. You could you could <coughs> you could make yourself a propagation chamber in a greenhouse. So you need bottom heat. So. Uh, so you, can, you could get, uh, you know, you could, there's all kinds of heating pads you can buy. And then right. and, and I would do some research on this even, you know, beyond what I'm going to tell you because I'm not sure the heat you want it at. And Daphne's now generally to propagate a Daphne, you do it in summer or fall, not this time of year. Okay. Then you're going to, you'll be cutting off about an eight inch end of the Daphne, Pull all leaves but the top two inches off. You're going to have to use uh, rooting hormone. And you're going to probably put it in either pure sand or might be sand and perlite mm-hmm. mix. And then what you'll do is you'll have it all, you know, the bottom four inches, let's say, of the cutting is underground, no leaves on it or ring. And uh, then what you've got to do is it's got to be covered with plastic because you got to keep the humidity really high. And then – uh, if you see any of them rotten, then you got the humidity too high, and you got to open the plastic more often. And then you got a mist. And we'd missed about four times a day at Seattle U. And um, we could propagate quite a few plants. We had a little problem with Daphne. I'm not sure why, but it might work. It's worth a try. You're not losing anything. And Daphne's sure. loved being pruned, so give it a shot. Hey, go to the go to the um uh to the um uh what's that garden uh, go to C U H, the Center for Urban Horticulture, and it's uh uh whatever it is, uh library there. So there's a link on cisco.com, and uh what you can get is you can write them an email, they'll give you exact descriptions. Okay. All right. Hey, good thank luck. Thank you very much. All right, Tim. Bye. All right. Hey, Matt. Okay, I don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to do my best to answer your question. Welcome. I, I will. Thank you. I'll make it quick. Great.
3: <clears throat> so I've got these two big, I'm saying arbovitaes, but they're, you know, like um, fancy plants that grow up tall and skinny Yeah. in the front of my house. Well, the snow... <laughs> I've just let them get just huge. They're probably 15, maybe 17 feet tall. Uh But I have a two-story house, so it doesn't look inappropriate. Um, But so the snow knocked one of them down, but not like a broken tree, not like a – it didn't crack or anything. It just kind of fell over.
0: Yeah, they do that sometimes. Okay, here's what Uh, you – it, there. it's
3: green. I mean, it, oh, I guess it's green, but it, I'm, I'm wondering, is it going to just die? My wife is like, get a chainsaw out there and cut those down. It looks <laughs>
0: stupid. Well, <laughs> okay, this is not going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. A 15-foot tree, if you're trying to keep the same height. Now, you could lower both of them might help, but you're going to have to get the toughest stake in the world. It's going to have to be about 15 feet tall. And you're going to have to pound that into the ground, and then tie the tree, the uh, trunk up to that stake. Or you could put something on your house. Maybe you could put some kind of hooks in your house, and you could tie it to those. But it might work. It might work to try this. If it were me, I'd get out the chainsaw, and uh, I get out the chainsaw, and I'd replace both of them with nice new ones. And uh, hey, you'll get a lot of good years. They'll look nice as they grow and start with something small. And uh, maybe you'll be lucky because I think you got a tiger by the tail trying to do all this. All right, Matt, thank you so much for the call. Hey, let me know what you do too. It will work if you tie it back up. I'm almost positive. All right, well, everybody, uh, it's nice being home again. I had a great time in France. You know what I love the most of everything? Coming home and little Izzy was waiting at the door. Oh, la, la. Oh, that makes you feel so good when your pup just goes nuts to see you. Brian, thanks a lot. Nice to see you again. All right, we'll see everybody next week. Uh, let's hope for some good weather. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.